Sports are back. Save 40% off. Don't miss exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe now and save. Get all access to The Athletic's exclusive in-depth coverage. We've got you covered from Zach's interviews with Jalen Hurts. Very, very interesting stuff out of the rookie quarterback. To, you know, the nerd guide of the Minnesota Vikings. Check it out. Read about the Melvin, her cousins, courtesy of Dr. Kapadia. Don't miss exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe now and save. Sign up to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. And if you go to theathletic.com slash birdswithfriends, you can receive 40% off an annual subscription. Sports are back, baby. And you won't want to miss breaking stories on your favorite team. So go to theathletic.com slash birdswithfriends, all one word, for 40% off an annual subscription. We hope to see you there. Bird to your mother, it's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just a couple of feathery brethren weathering any season to see the Eagles eating teams like bacon, steaks, and cheese. It's Philadelphia, Boeing Shield in the cut, kicking it cooler than two penguins. Still Bo's old arch nemesis. Greg Cosell shows up and it gets real. Pull up a branch and chill. It's time to get ill with some birds with friends. The early bird skips the worm and prefers getting turned like a turn on some birds with friends. Bo and you coming at you with stats and things flapping their wings i'm gonna have the rest of my life with these kids wow get, we gotta get that in a drop uh immediately <laughs> we'll edit that one out that didn't come out quite there's yet. no editing no no editing yeah, on this that's the wonderful of birds with friends no editing <laughs> hello everybody and welcome to a tuesday afternoon edition of birds with friends bo wolf here zach berman there and also over there the embodiment of the modern man, Mr. Shil Kapadia. How are you today? Good. Just, uh, you know, on, on my screen, I've got two different uh, COVID trackers for uh, NFL players. So uh, really excited for this podcast. All right. Good stuff. Well, we've got to, we will we will talk some Eagles stuff, uh, you know, in the second half of this podcast. I think we'll get to what we learned from Doug Peterson's uh, Zoom press conference yesterday. We'll talk a little bit about beefy Carson Wentz showing up to uh, to camp, and uh, and then Sheil is going to give us a little owl. You know who the f is that? As he looked at our fifty three man roster projections and wants to know who some of these guys are. But let's uh, let's start with the big picture, gentlemen. You know the state of of sports in America. The Marlins are uh, you know a, a, a COVID colony. Players are dropping out left and right of the NFL season, including Marquise Goodwin, which we just learned. Uh, Zach, as the uh, man who has been uh, carrying the water for uh, bring bring sports back, let's go gung ho, head in the sand. What do you make of all this? Well, first off, I think there's some nuance required with that description. I I, I simply haven't haven't like ruled out the possibility that that, that this is going to happen. So that's that's uh, let's let's just establish that first before we 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 present labels. What do I think? I I, I think what happened to the Marlins is is really the um, the major concern that that I, that that I had and and kind of the, the fear in this is that it it affects an entire group. There's 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 an outbreak, if you will. I I just think statistically speaking, you have to recognize that there are going to be people 
afflicted with it, and and that's that's a, that's a tough reality. But but that's just statistics. But when it it gets to a point where it's the number that you see with the Marlins, uh, that raises concern about how this can be pulled off. So I, mean, I imagine the NFL is watching this closely. Well, yeah, I mean the concern is, and and this is obviously a developing story, but sort of the. Uh, the process that led to this, you know, that they're finding out what was it four, three or four guys had it. And then they had a group text and they decided to play the game. Right. I mean, I don't understand how that can happen, how th- these decisions cannot be put. Um, obviously stuff needs to be collectively bargained and you come up with um, sort of a set of rules, but like individual circumstances like that. I mean, we, we've been around athletes. Uh, now we're seeing guys opt out and we'll get to that. But the majority, you know, a lot of guys feel invincible. A lot of guys feel like they'll be fine and that it's not a big deal and that they want to play. I mean, they've been playing for their entire lives. A lot of them obviously have a great financial stake in this and have families and uh, want to maximize their earnings. I mean, there's so many different layers. So, uh, you know, the fact that it started out with three or four, then they decide to play. They play and now they're up to 11 players have it. Two coaches test positive. The Yankees are in a hotel uh, in Center City. The Marlins are in a hotel somewhere. The Phillies are are quarantining and being tested. Uh, So, like, you know, I I saw the sort of glass half full um, perspective of this, I think, was uh, I care our uh, our baseball writers, including uh, our uh, very own Matt and Megan and also the national staff are doing a terrific job covering this. And so I don't I can't remember who actually uh, wrote this piece of it. But, you know, someone said, well, maybe this will sort of remove that false sense of security for, um, you know, some of the people involved, whether it's decision makers or the actual players or whoever it might be. And maybe this sort of big scare. And now this is a very glass half full take, which I don't know that I agree with, (laughs) but this was one person's take of it that maybe it will sort of lead to uh, better results uh, down the road. But man, it just... uh, you know, I'll admit, I, I was excited. I was excited watching sports last week. You know, I don't think I realized how much I missed it. Um, you know, I was kind of you were just, you were fired up about that Sixers scrimmage. Yeah, I'm watching the Sixers scrimmage. I was watching the Phillies games. It was so nice to just have on, like in the back. You know, Sunday afternoon. I think I fell asleep on the recliner as the Phillies bullpen imploded. <laughs> it was like the most normal I felt uh, in in a long time. And um, you know, like you said, it was one freaking series. I mean, they can, you know, before a series is even finished, it's in the city uh, we live in that everything goes uh, goes haywire. So as a uh, sports fan, it, it's certainly, um, you know, disappointing. Um, and then obviously the bigger picture of kind of what are we doing here? Is any of this going to work? Which, uh, you know, that that's a good lead into your take, I, w- I would assume, Paul. Well, yeah, I, I guess I shouldn't have invited uh, Miguel Rojas over for dinner on Sunday night. But uh, as we, I mean, as we talk about it, from a football sense uh you know we like to talk about two things can be true and we've talked about how um on one hand like a lot of this is out of the nfl's control like if we didn't have uh an evil buffoon in charge who plundered any semblance of competent bureaucracy uh we would probably have football in the fall you know if we didn't have like disinformation and gullibility and impatience like if those weren't such uh table stakes diseases in our country then we would probably have uh football in the fall but uh, like those things are out of their control that's fine Uh, and we've also talked about how there are you know unique challenges to the nfl vis-a-vis other sports the the size of the staffs and the players uh the fact that there are like 
all up over each other for the entire game. The fact that they have Jack Del Rio. Um, but at the same time, that doesn't, um, that doesn't mean that they haven't also completely bungled the situation. Uh, in my, in my opinion, like from the beginning, we've been talking about this. They had like, they had the advantage of time and they didn't use that at all. They completely squandered it. They didn't figure out, uh, any like specific, uh, you know, ways to, to like all these conversations that they're having on what the protocols are going to be, what the financials are going to be. They all came down to the last second. Uh, they didn't use that time. Um, and they also like they have what the other leagues don't. They have like the no- the voice of being the number one sport in the country. They have like a real voice. And they also have like a direct through line to the president. And they could have used that voice. They could have wielded that power uh, in a more, uh, you know, in, in a better way for the country. They could have been like, uh, you know, let's all everybody let's, you know, you know, publicly calling for uh, a national uh, six-week quarantine, universal mask wearing. And if you do that, we get football in the fall. And guess what? You get your kids back in school. Like, uh, and, then, and maybe it's not incumbent upon them to do that, but like, it's not like they have, uh, you know, they have been a shining star here. And uh, I don't know. I just, I think this is, this is, this is the inevitability that we were all, that, that, like, much to the What's chagrin of our listeners that I was I was talking about for months like this is always well, where, we, where, we, where we were going to end up. Well, this is I mean, I, I like crushing the NFL. I mean, longtime listeners of this podcast will, will know I'm no uh, I'm no shill for the league. I think there are obviously so many things you can crush them for. But like, it's not their job to set the country's course. Well, it's not their job, the but pandemic. they could be a part they're of a that conversation. Professional, they're a freaking professional sports yes. league. But it's I mean, not. But for them, it's 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 self-interest, because okay. if they do that, then they can get football. That's right, but also when when this is hitting and it's March and April, I mean, I don't think they were thinking in their heads that this is where we were going to be. I'm not be. saying they had to do it in March and April. They could have done it in June. They could still do it, and we could start the season in October. Well, yeah, they, they, they could still do it, but, I mean, there are a lot of other factors in play in this country. Uh, now, I, I agree from, like, a PR perspective, if you could have uh, – you know, gotten the the powers to be on board and just gotten like every football, every college football coach. And, you know, Nick Saban, your, your Zach's boy, was actually out ahead of this. Uh, you know, he, he was putting the mask on and saying, if you want to uh, if you want to see football in the fall, then these are the things you kind of need to do. Yeah, I think in terms of some sort of messaging and uh, and PR campaign, uh, it certainly could have helped but like uh, i mean i don't know like i don't i'm think- not saying they're like the they're like the entity at fault but you know if they really like if, if they wanted football to happen i think they were blind to think that this was going to be able to work they but, needed Bo, to do you're speaking like as that. if you're speaking as if football's not happening and as and it's as, not as we happen. speak though but as <laughs> as we speak teams are reporting the training camp. Rookies have, have already reported they and have. defensive coordinators are tweeting are are tweeting <laughs> about uh, you know hoax videos about how hydroxychloroquine Look, is going to be separate. is the cure. Like Jack Del Rio is going to be loading up the Washington team bench with with like stuff that's going to kill them on like. <laughs> but but that's part of the problem. You've got these for the season to happen. You need like almost one hundred percent accountability for people being extremely diligent and well, you've got meanwhile concussion uncles out there 
who like don't believe any of this stuff is real and they're in charge like they're you think Jack Del Rio's not going to go to the bar and get a drink and then come back and, <laughs> I, and you know, run his I team meeting? Give me a break. I, I can't speak to what Jack Del Rio is going to do. <laughs> what, but, but, but what I can tell you is Marissa, is that, let's, let's make that the drop. <laughs> yeah, <for you. laughs> but uh, what I can tell you is 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 that you are accurate in, in saying for for this to work, it's it's going to require compliance from 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 players, from coaches, from from staffers. I, I, I would agree with you there. I don't hold the the doom and gloom that 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 you do about uh, football occurring because I I I don't think like and by the way we're going to get to the football second half <laughs> of the show so I don't think they're they're we'll, we'll do the they're, cognitive dissonance they're flying by the seat in. of their pants like in in the way that you suggested Bo like I I think that that there's you know there there's always bargaining and negotiation when you have a union and, and you have and you have management um, so you recognize that. But I don't think the NFL just picked their head up last week and said and said this is what is going to happen. I I, I do think that is been... actually my sense. Yes, that is <laughs> uh, my sense. They did and... not like even just talking to people in organizations. Like they didn't have templates in place. Well, to Shields' point, this has been dynamic. Like the the I I guess where I was wrong, and I, I would say one of the places I was wrong is is saying that the NFL. Had the advantage of time, and that in that time was their ally. Uh, but to to Shields' point, I don't think when we had these conversations in May, when the schedule came out, uh, the expectation was going to be this is what it would look like in in July and August, and and and, and so we can we can talk all all we want about how this issue goes well beyond football, and I I would agree with that. Um, but from the perspective of of football, like they're not putting their hands up and saying this is not going to happen like they're they're trying everything they can to to, to make this happen and and unless there I don't believe is, that I don't yeah. believe they're trying everything they can to 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 have a season go on yes what more do they they're having the guys grounds, fly in, I mean they're having guys fly into the into their camps straight from wherever they came from and just going straight to camp. That's not trying everything. No, they're not. They're no, they're ten, not. They're ten, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, they ha, they've got all these protocols. I think your I think the mistake in your thinking is that you you're saying there's like this plan whatever C is the way they should have gone and everything should have been fine. Like there's no good option here. I mean, what they're doing. Well, yeah, I, I that, acknowledge that. I, I mean, what they're doing is that given the state of the country is they're putting protocols in place. Our Lindsay Jones has written about it. Peter King wrote about it. I mean, I read all those and I say, well, they're doing everything they can. They'll take a shot. There's a chance it's not going to work. We'll see what happens. I mean, I don't understand how there can be any other take than that. Like they're they're doing comprehensive testing. Um, you know, they're like I mean, you can read the pieces. I, I, the, I read those protocols and thought, all right, well, you know what? They're they're taking advice. The players pushed them here, so you got to take advice from. Uh, they did that. And they're just gonna put these protocols in place and see what happens. Is it a good plan? No, there there is not a good plan given the state of the country yeah. and and how botched it was from the beginning with the leadership. I mean, we can compare ourselves to other countries, and if we would have taken a different course uh, many weeks ago, many months ago, this would be a lot more. This podcast would be a lot more fun. We would be talking about training camp. No, no, that's right. We'd be talking about different things. We'd be talking about an NFL season, and it sucks and it's annoying to have to talk about 
for this many episodes in a row. And like now it's actually, Thank God for the draft. you know, and now it's like, all right, it's a change. Well, players are showing up. Well, it's, I mean, it's not really, I mean, players are opting out and they, you know, that's every right they have and players are going to show up and there are going to be huge hurdles and the whole thing could get shut down. Um, so to and me, this idea like, that like, well, not go, let finish your thought. No, I mean, that's where it starts. I mean, so, I mean, again, I, I would be more than willing to like crush the NFL uh, for stuff. And um, you know, anyone who's in the league speaking about it with any type of confidence or arrogance, and certainly those voices exist. Well, yeah, you know, you, you can uh, give two middle fingers to them and I'll stand uh, right <laughs> next to you. But I don't know. I almost feel like the majority or most of the voices, I mean, you heard like, Doug, I, Doug, we'll get to Doug Peterson's press conference, but he wasn't saying like, oh yeah, we're ready to go, baby, fire it up. I mean, I thought he struck a pretty good tone. He's saying, I, you know, I feel good about it. The protocols are in place, but like nobody knows. I mean, nobody exactly. knows how it's going to work. There's a chance, certainly a, you know, a good chance. I don't know what the percentage would be that would vary on who, who you talk to that it's not going to work and that uh, they're going to have to figure something else out, whether it's pushing it back, whether it's canceling the season altogether. But uh, I don't know. I, I just feel like, you know, sort of blaming the uh, NFL for this is uh i mean it's 53 it's 80 players it's 53 players it's all the staff like they yeah. are the league worst set up to handle anything like totally. this and you, you know people calling for a but i mean i don't know if there's a way to do a uh, there's no way i i think to do a bubble uh strategy for this with whether it's 32 um individual markets i mean maybe that would have been their best chance but that's got to be something that everyone agrees to if it's a hey, players are going from the the hotel to the facility back and forth i don't know if you get to see your family in that situation maybe you fly in the day of games and then you fly out right afterwards i mean mm. i don't is any of that worth it would players have agreed to that is is there a point to even do that for our jobs yeah we, we would probably be like all right fine we have something to write about and we get to watch it and the public would like that but uh i don't know if they would have so again i, I just don't think there's any great answer I think the two things here, though, that 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 you can say, uh, not with certainty, but with relative confidence, um, is a nobody knows, and and b this isn't going away. So, well, so so they need to figure out if, if 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 there's going to be a season, they they need to figure out how to do it under those conditions, and, and so that's where I'm 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 with Shield. There's there's not really a perfect scenario here, but I I don't think that like the NFL is just I don't think we can speak as as if this is not going to happen because they're doing everything they can to make it happen. Okay, well, I guess we can continue kicking the can down the road, but I mean, I think you can. You, we, I think we can sort of say, we can say that if it's going to happen, it's going to be, it's going to include lots of people getting the disease, and they have to, like, they have to have a better plan uh, in place than what the MLB has had where they're just flying by the seat of their pants and Rob Manfred's yes. just like not talking well, yes. for a day and then uh, deciding, uh, okay, we'll cancel this game, but everything else keeps going. Like, you know, there are going to be situations if we get to a season where, uh, you know, quarterbacks at the last second or, you know, five players on a team or whatever it is, like they're going to have to be canceling games or deciding what it, what it is they're going to do. Like, and and we don't need to be privy to that plan just yet. So they could be working on those plans. Uh, you know, it's fair to say. But uh, you know, they need they need to take some lessons from uh, what's going on in baseball. And as you said, like it's it, it's it's even more of an inevitability because of how much bigger the groups are. Um, that I agree with you on. It, and then this idea that like uh, uh, calling out 
like the truth that you see is somehow rooting against football is just uh i mean i've been i've been talking about this for months because i want there to be a season i want like i want to have something to write about yeah i mean i i, I honestly don't even want to address that tape that's just noise so like that's yeah I that's mean, just okay. i mean that's just <laughs> that's fine yeah. i i have no interest in that yeah. i mean this is what we do for a living like the thought that i mean what else am I, you know the thought that you wouldn't uh, want there to be games at the same time like uh, reporters are not cheerleaders or you know you're, you're not supposed to spin it some way about what you want to have what you the reality is what you want to happen is uh is moot like that should not no one should even know no one should even like care you're, you're supposed to you know talk about what you think is going to happen what you your reporting says is going to happen all these uh different types of things so like uh you know if, if people want to enjoy their retweets or whatever that's fine well i do want to see a feely well. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would say all three of us have have a, a vested interest in this season happening. I mean, this is this is our career, uh, so and and we're part of this ecosystem that exists around professional football. Uh, so, it, you know, it's it's the it's the players and the coaches who are obviously putting their 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 health on the line, and I acknowledge that. Um, but but whether it's people in the organization, people. Um, in in all sorts of industries that revolve around professional football, uh, there are a lot of people with a vested interest in this occurring. Do you feel uh, differently than you did a week ago, Zach, as to whether there will be a season? Uh, that's, that's a very good question. I think the Marlins thing really kind of shows – I say the Marlins thing. I'll, I'll be more succinct. What, what's happening with the I think the you can call it the Marlins thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just didn't want to be in, insensitive to the fact that 19 players come on Marlins make us proud. Um, as that yeah, I, Scott I, once said. I, I I think that is just anecdotal evidence of, of what we already knew, just how how contagious and and how 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 contagious this is. But I I still don't think that that the NFL is going to give up per se. You know, so um, and I know I, 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 I don't think I don't that. think they should give up either. Like. It's you're you're. I mean, it's worth the shot. I just think that it's doomed to fail. And I'm just saying, I I don't know. That's 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 not me saying it's it's going to happen. That's not me saying it's it's not going to happen. But uh, I'm I'm much better equipped to talk about kind of football and personnel than than the science component of it because I am learning the same way everyone else is. And and I like for me to give a forecast on that. It's it's. It's really just just me guessing. Shield better or worse than a week ago? I think you have to feel worse. I mean, <laughs> I mean, given given what happened with the Marlins, three days in, and uh, even so, I'm surprised yeah. at how quickly it happened. Yeah, I don't I don't know how anybody would answer that question with better. Okay. So we'll see. You gotta have many uh, many contingency plans in uh, in place. And, uh, you know, one of which being there is no season. I mean, that's the reality. Any uh, Anything else, any other meat left on this bone? Or should we move on? <laughs> oh, John, well, here's this tweet. John Elway is upset about no preseason games. <laughs> this, is a, this is an actual tweet. Really? Said with, said with as young as the offense is, average age, age is 24, mm-hmm. uh, he wanted them to play in the preseason and get those snaps under their belt. No preseason will make things harder on the young group. 
He has tempered his expectations for them. Well, gee, that thanks, John. You've had you've had you've had, you've had seven different starting quarterbacks in four years, John. Focus well, on you're finally else. you're finally getting onto my uh, onto the Elway as grass bandwagon from 2017. I was, you know, I I, I keep forgetting, uh, like with all the young, fun weapons that they have on that Broncos offense, I keep forgetting that. Pat Shermer is their offensive coordinator. That's what should be tempering Elway's expectations. You signed Melvin Gordon to a two-year, $16 million <laughs> contract, John. How about you focus on that? Yeah, when I did write the Broncos thing, I was going to text you because, man, they, they have not been a well-run organization. The savior of the Eagles offense is their, is their deposed offensive coordinator, right? I, well. I, I I feel like my uh, my cranky mood has really been taken out on some of these nerd guys. Uh, the one I'm I'm just crushing the Rams today, and this one that's coming out tomorrow. Oh. Well, actually, I don't know if I'm crush in my head. I'm crushing them. I mean, the thing is pretty boring, and it's a bunch of numbers that no one cares about. But in, <laughs> I, I care. About I mean, in my head, I'm going, "Oh my gosh, what what the hell are you guys doing?" I mean, they, they fires Wade Phillips, three new coordinators. They've got their offensive offensive line is a wreck. They spend sixteen million dollars uh, on two different run stuffing defensive tackles. <laughs> Jared Goff's numbers, wow, they they were very ugly uh, last year. I think that organization is in some big trouble. Jeez, the, as, is, if the, the timeline is long enough, you're just going to come onto my side of every <laughs> argument we've ever had. <laughs> so the Eagles. Uh, so the Eagles. Yeah. Speaking of meat left on the bone, let's talk about a little. A little bit of a beefy Carson Wentz, much different well, look. Let's talk Goodwin first, or yeah, I guess let's talk Goodwin first. Well, uh, let's talk beefy yeah. Carson Wentz. Let's okay. lighten the mood, uh, <laughs> because last year, you know, he shows up super, super slim with his, uh, you know, whatever his new diet was, and just judging by the walk-in, it looks like he's uh, he's beefed up. I hope this is like a a yearly trend, some big surprise about Carson Wentz's <laughs> body every year. Next year, it's like Rex Specs he shows up with. Uh, maybe he's maybe he's got. Uh, he, he's bald the next year. Let's, I, I think you should keep this going. So a year ago, he eliminated gluten from the diet. Um, and, uh, and now, yeah, the, it, obviously I, I haven't seen him in, in, in person. We saw the video that the Eagles released yesterday of him arriving at the facility he's, for his he's, testing. He's dad bod. And, uh, yeah, he, look, he, he had, he had some time at, at home on the compound and, uh, and it looks like he has a a, a a a weight room there because he was he was lifting quite a bit. I, either that or his his uh, baby is 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 uh, is producing those those muscles. But definitely looks yeah. stronger. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I thought he I thought he's been uh, I thought he's been pump, pumping the iron a little bit. Yeah, you you. So do you think he looked? Uh, you're saying he looked out of shape, or you're saying he oh, no, put on some muscle? I, I, well, a little, yeah. I, I think I think you put on muscle. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, think, I think that's that's not da- yeah, that's not dad bod. I mean, I don't know because yeah, you, I you guess know, that's fair. Let's be honest. That midsection, I mean, it, it could go one one or two ways. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he didn't know? lift up the shirt for us to see. Yeah, abs, yeah, so. you know that the uh, <laughs> sort of the good and the bad can look the same <laughs> in, a, in a in a shirt like that. You know, so uh, I don't know, but I mean, I don't know. You don't you don't wear a shirt like that. Unless you feel like you're, you know, you're showing off the guns a little bit. The, the sleeves were up high. Uh, it, certainly, his arms, I feel like, have tripled in size. From, his arms uh, look much bigger from a year ago. So uh, I don't know. I, I mean, whenever he does his um, his first uh, interview, I'm sure, I'm sure he'll he'll just love to answer those questions. Perhaps uh, this was his answer to Jalen Hurts. 
who, oh, who took up powerlifting like in yeah. high school. Yeah. Oh, that's very, very nice. I like that. Mm, there you go. At least uh, he was wearing a, a mask on like uh, some other. Unlike Tom Brady, yeah, like, who's also still yeah. peddling his, uh, you know, garbanzo beans fake cure water. So good job by Tom. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's talk about Marquise Goodwin, uh, who who is the first Eagle to opt out after uh, a bunch of Patriots dropped out, just like Tom Brady dropped out of his uh, relationship with Bridget Moynihan. What do you think about uh, Marquise Goodwin, Zach? Yeah, so I mean, first off, you you understand why uh, he's he's doing so. It's 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 certainly. Uh, I, I guess you would understand why anyone's doing so now, but in uh, Goodwin's is in in his case, he has a five month. Uh, a five-month-old daughter, and his wife previously had had three miscarriages. And, and the report came from Ian Rappaport at the NFL Network that he's opting out. Uh, and look, a Goodwin is not a, a centerpiece to this offense. In Bo's 53-man roster prediction that, that came out last Friday, Goodwin wasn't on it. Yeah, I think that's um, a little mark in my column over you, don't you think? <laughs> but uh, my understanding is is the, is the Eagles liked him. They, they, they liked, A, the speed he was bringing – and and be the the experience. He he's the only veteran they added to the receiving core this year, and they viewed him as insurance for a Deshaun Jackson injury. So basically, if they could get 16 games between Jackson and Goodwin, I think they would have taken that. And uh, even and even as like a way to try to help keep Deshaun fresh, right? Like, yes, exactly. Uh, to be able to cycle him in throughout the game, so so Deshaun wasn't quite so taxed. Exactly. Uh, so, in the uh, in the short term, it's it's a hit in 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 the sense that he's one of the few receivers who has uh, experience. Like we said on draft weekend when they traded for him, not a a major move. He's been inconsistent throughout his his career. But you look at the Eagles' depth chart at wide receiver, and if you are assuming Alshon Jeffries a wild card here, and then you can't count on him early in the season. You basically have Deshaun Jackson, Greg Ward, and uh, rookies and JJ Artega Whiteside. So it's it's a very inexperienced group. And I think yeah. it's an it's another you know reason why the the idea that the Eagles like fixed the offense by adding all this speed on draft weekend was so silly. Um, not that like anyone should have expected Goodwin to drop out of the season, but this was still a guy who had like twelve catches last year, and you shouldn't mm-hmm. expect much from. You added Jalen Rager, that's great, but. Marquise Goodwin, uh, fifth-round pick and a sixth-round pick, is not necessarily a reason uh, to think that the offense is going to look completely different. Yeah, I mean, my thought on uh, Goodwin was I thought the team was actually gassing him up a little bit. Um, you know, in, uh, in in reporting and conversations, I felt like he was somebody they were actually uh, really counting on to a degree that maybe they shouldn't have been. And so uh, I felt from the moment they made that trade, you know, I think we said it on the post-draft pod that the guys had one good year in his uh in his career and uh i think that that came a couple of years ago with the 49ers so i thought any expectation that he uh, should be a big part of this offense was misguided now having said that the, we, we've talked about their approach to building the wide receiver group which was to uh take a bunch of swings and hope one connects and so uh, when it's you know not even august 1st and uh one of those swings is a miss you know, in, in this theoretical season, you know, that's um, 
not a great thing from an organizational standpoint. Again, like Zach said, obviously anybody who wants to opt out uh, should opt out. His reason is probably you know better than just about uh, just about anybody. So, um, but but from a team perspective, you know now it just uh, every time kind of you lose. Uh, one of those wide receivers or if a guy gets injured or if a guy doesn't uh, look as good. I mean, it's just like another inch closer to last year. So uh, we, we will see if any of those other options uh, pan out. Well, I think that transitions us well into uh, what we heard from Doug yesterday, Zach, because, uh, you know, Doug did caution that even though, uh, you know, practice time is going to be a little bit more limited and there's going to there aren't going to be preseason games. Uh, he still wants to find a way to have more competitive sessions uh, so that they can evaluate the rookies. And he he downplayed the idea that maybe you can't count on this rookie class. Uh, so, I mean, if if uh, if one of Quez Watkins, John Hightower or, uh, you know, an undrafted guy like uh, Manasa Bailey, I think is how you pronounce his name. If one of those guys, you know, flashes that that helps the depth of the of the wide receiver group. But uh, it's going to be it's going to be harder for those guys to be able to to make an impact. But what, what were your big takeaways from from Doug, Zach? Well, hold it real quick. Let's just set a birds with friends rule that every time you mention either an undrafted free agent or somebody who's never taken a snap with the Eagle, why don't you explain who that person is uh, to the audience and to myself? That's fair. Uh, <laughs> John Hightower was the fifth round pick out of Boise State. Uh, very fast. Uh, the no, no, you're fine with it. You're fine with Hightower and uh, Manasseh Bailey. Yeah, yeah. Let's get another to burner. Another burner. Uh, undrafted <laughs> guy from a MEAC school. Let me find it. Seaburn. Manasseh Bailey went to Morgan State. Morgan State. Oh, and, uh, be more. All right. And he uh, he was at the protests in in Washington D.C. I believe. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. All right. There you go. Seaburn doing doing the work. Where? What high school did he go to? That I do not know. Um, do you have it in front of you? No, I don't have it in front oh, of me. God, I would have uh, freaking ended this yeah. podcast if um, you answered that correctly. But yeah, so <laughs> interestingly, uh, and I hope I'm telling the story. Manasseh Bailey, interesting, went to Morgan State as a linebacker, uh, mm-hmm. but he is a burner, which is an interesting conversation or, or conversion, mm-hmm. rather. Go ahead. Uh, Jonathan Tamari from the Philadelphia Inquirer, mm, uh, your predecessor, former Eagles, Eagles beat writer. Uh, he's he's now the uh, national politics writer. Was was covering the protests in in Washington and saw someone in, in in an Eagles shirt and or an Eagles hat and you know trying to get a, a local story and it turned out to be a player on the Eagles. Did did you feel like you had to? So for those who don't know, Jonathan Tamari was Jeff McLean's uh, beat partner. At the Inquirer on the Eagles, really, really nice guy. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, did uh, did good work. Zach was there, like uh, you know, I got I got a show that uh, I'm better than Tamari. Were you were you like you know talking talking junk to him to McLean your first days <laughs> on the beat? What what was your approach for trying to stack up to him? Because eh, the guy had a very good reputation. Yeah, I was I was I was trying to learn what he did well, and then I was trying to make <laughs> a name for myself independently. So. I uh, wasn't trying to replace anyone. Was simply trying to, to uh, stand out the best I could. Uh, yeah, but, but deep down, deep down, you were trying to, you were trying to really make an impact, weren't you? Uh, yes, yes, I was. Yes, I was. You wanted to put Tamari in the in the rearview mirror, make everybody forget. <laughs> no, I, I wasn't. I wasn't trying to do that. Before we uh, get the Doug bill, uh, you think we no can get Tamari on next week? <laughs> no, there's, 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 there's no natural transition for this. Okay. But uh, Jonathan Tamari is as good as any. <laughs> um, 
if you are dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you gosh, you gotta stop laughing when you do that. You want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in, in your state, all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com birds for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com birds for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Two-day Roman, shipping, uh, I'd rather get it to Mari. R- Roman, very smart company for advertising on Birds with Friends, The Athletic. I'm sure they're seeing uh, great returns. Why, why don't you become the next Roman? I mean, most of our mm. listeners are in and around uh, Philadelphia or even if they're uh, nationwide, international, they certainly uh, have some roots, some connection to the city. So what better way to promote your business than through our show, Birds with Friends. I mean, our listeners are loyal and engaged, just like you. What better way to advertise your business than on your favorite podcast, Birds with Friends? You know that we we will sell it. Uh, we will uh, we will endorse it. We have very low standards. It doesn't really matter uh, what it is. We will make sure you are getting bang for your buck. So to advertise on this very show, just go to theathletic.com/podcastads. There you can fill out a simple form. We'll get back to you right away. So go to theathletic.com slash podcast ads today. Very nice. Uh, okay, Zach, what did you think of uh, what did you think of Doug? Yeah, so as, as Shiel was saying, in, in terms of him addressing uh, COVID and, and the, the reality that this offseason is going to be, or this training camp is going to be different, he did take a measured tone. Now, he said he personally feels extremely safe. Uh, where you can kind of have a point of contention or a disagreement is he said this is our bubble when he was referring to the NovaCare complex, and it is accurate that they're making strides to, and they've, they're in compliance in terms of, of the facility, but the difference, of course, is that players are leaving that, that bubble as opposed to players Which then makes sleeping. it not a bubble. Exactly. Uh, how about how about coaches? I mean, I, I feel like every coach would be looking for, at this as an excuse to just be able to sleep in the office. Do we know <laughs> if Doug uh, that? I don't know. I mean, it was. Uh, I, I'm kind. Of, I have. I'm going off topic here, but these press conferences, like, so so I couldn't be on the one yesterday, but then I watched it. Am I ever going to be able to get a question in at a press conference? I'm not able to get a question. This in. Was I've very been getting stiffed all off oh, season. Oh, this was real interesting. So for those who didn't see it, uh, first question goes to Zach Berman. I mean, wow. You know, El Presidente of the uh, Philadelphia chapter, the Pro Football Writers Association. So I thought and that was usu- fitting. And usually in an in-person pre- in, in setting, Doug Correct. looks straight to, to Zach for the first he, question. He likes Zach. He's fond of Zach. There's there's no doubt about it. He, he goes to Zach. And, uh, you know, Zach's earned that with trying to organize all of sort of the media protocols for uh, theoretical training camp and the season. Right. So so Zach gets the first question, and then I'm listening, and I'm hearing uh, uh, Tim McManus, uh, Jeff McClain, a Les Bowen, a Paul Damowich, mm, John that McMullen. You, yeah, you uh, Jimmy, there were three people from one outlet. 
That's good. Uh, uh, Jimmy Kemsky, and I'm waiting. I'm saying, what did did Bo get uh, called into daddy duty? Is he not on this call? Dad, and then, Bo was the Bo know. was the very first one to press Ray's hand <laughs> oh, when the meeting opened. Oh baby! And then uh, so if Bo can't get a question in Zach, like what are because normally when you're the drop-in guy, like I uh, I turned into last year, you know I could show up here and there. I sit in the front row next to you, uh, fine gentlemen, or right behind, and uh, you know I can just shout in my question and really interrupt the uh, natural flow of things, but uh, that's going to be a lot harder, I feel like, for me during this th- theoretical year. Any advice? <laughs> yeah, I, I wish I had advice. Frankly, it's it's an imperfect system. Bo is going to get questions in. I'm, I'm, I'm confident in that. <laughs> oh, great. Uh, yeah. I, we've got I, a Jalen Rager, Jalen Hurts double dip <laughs> this afternoon. I'll get, I'll get to ask a question in that, but I'll get uh, to ask a question that matters. I wish we had more than 15 minutes. Um, and, and the reality is, when you ask a question, you need to be strategic about what you're asking because you're not getting a second question in and and so you you kind of need to either predict the room or get a feel for the room to see what the other questions are going to be i just had the best idea what's that here's what we do uh two captains in the media you each draft your team of reporters uh these are not going to be shown on the website these are not going to be televised you know, if they're short, that's fine. They're going to be private. And, you know, the group who get you get whatever he said in yours. There's no way to access the other one. This will allow more people to ask questions. We'll do a nice draft. I feel like Zach's got to be the. I don't really understand what you're proposing. It's like Doug's going to do two different press conferences. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he'll be willing to do that. <laughs> uh, and they're not going to be shown elsewhere so you have to really mm. assemble a good oh, group of media who's going to ask good questions and uh, you're not going to be privy to whatever the other group asks that's interesting i like that idea i mean come on we got to come up with something fun for this season that's probably not going to happen so let's let's go with this during the uh the preseason uh training camp add a little juice to it i mean the lurry draft was a huge hit this is next. It's too then bad. Yeah. I was going to really ask a softball too, you know, just like, you know, Doug, how, how did you get your hair so fluffy? You know, something <laughs> something really just to get him in a good mood. Well, okay. All right, sorry. So, yeah, so uh Doug in in that sense was was talking about the bubble that they're in, but he, he says he feels ex- extremely safe. He understands that the virus is real, so that's that's a good thing there. <laughs> It's a good start, unlike yeah, They're uh, going to be scoring all over that Washington defense. <laughs> yeah, They've got a real exactly. leg up. I mean, misdirection uh, on every play against Washington this year. And they're just all going to – Del Rio himself is going to is going to fall for the fake and find himself, you know, on his on his stomach on the field. Uh, so in in terms of the way practice is, is going to be conducted, and this is what was uh, – and this is what Bo referred to, that they're going to have more scrimmages, or, or that's something Doug's considering. And – they really only have three weeks of actual football practice before they play a game. So typically, they have six weeks and four preseason games. This uh, this year, they all, they're only going to practice for three weeks. Uh, and we talked about it on the, on the last podcast. Do you get your team prepared, or do you spend that time evaluating? And scrimmages are essentially a way for them to try to do both. So Doug said they're going to incorporate those more into it. Uh, and then... He, this was an interesting question from Jimmy Kemsky referring to the NFC East and how uh, the Eagles have the advantage of continuity on their staff. And Doug said he couldn't imagine being in this situation now and installing new schemes and, and, and being a first-year head coach uh, and not having the offseason program and not having this time in the preseason. So that could be advantageous for the Eagles. And then 
uh, real quick from a football perspective. Wait, hold on. I, I got to give you a follow-up question to that. Yes. Uh, so I did a little uh, very off-brand for me, but did a little research uh, before the show. How many teams do you think return the same uh, head coach, offensive play caller, defensive play caller, and quarterback Ooh. from a year, year ago? I, like I'm gonna, I think I'm going to write this up for a post, like sort of continuity oh, rankings, because you know every, or, every organization oh, wants, is going to want to complain about uh, how they got screwed here. Although as Coach Flynn and uh, Bo's friend Pete Carroll, I heard both these, these coaches <laughs> make this point, is that in college they don't have preseason. Yeah. And guess what? Yeah. Are you ever watching the first – the weekend of college football saying, oh, my gosh, this product, geez. Like, no, it's perfectly <laughs> fine. They figure it out, and they have limited practice, uh, and they have other stuff to deal with that NFL uh, teams do not. So, And let's hope that's the last time that uh, Coach Flynn and Pete Carroll are on the same side of an argument. Oh, man, that's, that's very rude. Okay. Uh, so how many teams do you think have all four of those things? Uh, I'm going to guess six. I'm going to guess 12. Oh, no um, way it's that many. Zach smoked you, but it's really? 14. Really? 14 teams. All four? The, the, let me know if I screwed this wow. up. I did do it quickly. I'll, I'll read the names out to you. The Bills, the Jets. Oh, the Ra- well, yeah, good for the Jets. The, well, I got to follow up. The Ravens, the Steelers, the Titans, the Chiefs, the Raiders, the Eagles, the Packers, the Saints, the Falcons, the 49ers, the Seahawks, and the Cardinals. Now, Nine of those teams. Okay, because it's play caller, not coordinator. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, nine of those teams. Why? Which one has a different coordinator? Well, Eagles. Eagles. Oh, yeah. Come on. Give me a break. <laughs> uh, nine of those teams made the playoffs last year. The Bills, Ravens, Titans, Chiefs, Eagles, Packers, Saints, 49ers, Seahawks. And in the NFC, you have five teams. The Eagles, Packers, Saints, 49ers, Seahawks. And so uh, all things considered in the grand scheme of things, uh, this should actually be an edge, I think, for the Eagles. And if you're looking at sort of what uh, what other teams are dealing with in terms of continuity, agree or yeah, disagree? I agree to a certain extent. I mean, it it works both ways. You know, I recall in in 2015, the Eagles season opener against the Falcons. It was the first year of Dan Quinn, and the Eagles really didn't know what Atlanta was going to show. And then you well, think that's about silly. The they, I mean, there was a template for that defense. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they should on. have known you exactly about, what they were going to see. Good job, Chip. About looking for something to complain <laughs> about. I mean, and really, the two minute break. They probably had press conferences where they spelled out the ex- entire cover three. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. not that's not yeah. this yeah. I'm going to come from this. I'm going to come from the Super Bowl winning team, and I'm going to come up with a brand new defense. <laughs> Fair enough. The 2013 <laughs> Eagles were also an example. Week one, as 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 Bo's first athletic story. Uh, spelled out, you know, that, that there was that degree of newness to it. Uh, and, Your encyclopedic uh, and, knowledge of my history of stories is one of my seriously. favorite things about you. Oh, favorite. <laughs> I wasn't going to go favorite. I was going to go, like, scary uh, or something else. Yeah, so so I, I think that at least early on in the season, you know, teams can catch you off, off guard if there are some changes. But, uh, no, I do think continuity is going to help. And I think the example of that is is the Super Bowl winner, in 2011, in, in 2011, when the NFL had the lockout, was the Giants. I was covering the Giants at the time, and they were getting ripped for not making any changes, really, or any big changes during that truncated offseason period. But I think the continuity helped them later on in the year. Oh, I like that. I wonder, uh, I, might, I might have to use that little nugget in my, uh, in my write-up. Who, I wonder who could be that team uh, this year who's not getting a lot of buzz, who didn't make a lot of changes. Hmm. It's kind of tough. 
Uh, I don't know. You said truncated, and uh, when I was doing the podcast with Jimmy Kemsky from the Senior Bowl uh, while he was driving, he flex, asked me, nice he asked me if there was a word that I uh, use too often uh, that like is like a little bit more hoity-toity than it needs to be, and he said I forget what his was, and I couldn't think of mine, and then later I re- I realized that truncated is probably my, I think I use truncated too much. What would you say? So condensed. You, what's what's a word? Yeah, there's other other ways to uh, abbreviated. Um, no, I would say abbreviated is on the same level as truncated. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'm not. If if two people are in front of me, one There's uses a st- abbreviated there, and the other uses truncated, I, they're on the same level. Uh, I once in uh, on a PhiladelphiaEagles.com story used uh, elucidated, and uh, Dave Spadaro was like, "What are you doing? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. don't use that word in <laughs> on this website." Uh, so that was funny. Big flex. Uh, yeah, big flex. That's as big as it gets. Where were we? What were we talking uh, we were talking about, about Doug. And, and, and so then oh, the, yeah. the last thing, because I don't want to ramble here, is uh, when talking about the offensive line, said that he thinks it's going to be relatively easy for Jason Peters. Not easy, oh, right, we were but relatively easy. That, that, that was just one where I said, oh, God, this is going to come back to haunt him. You know, sometimes you're listening to a press conference and you're just going, oh, man, that, that one's not like it was quarterback factory. You knew right away, like, oh, mm-hmm. boy, I, I, think I, I think that one, you know, week three, Peters gives up, like, two sacks. <laughs> and then, like, you know, an unknown reporter is asking Peters after the game, uh, you know, Duck said this was probably going to be relatively easy for you. Then the reporter is very happy it's on a Zoom call and uh, not in person in the mm-hmm. locker room. That's true. I think you're assuming that that Jason Peters, after after giving up said two sacks, is, is, is going to be like, "Where is these this location for the uh, Zoom call?" So I really, I can... yeah, I really <laughs> assumed about seven hundred things in that little uh, little anecdote there. But you know what? That's what you got to do. I think the conclusion that you're going to come to on the team uh, under the radar, who is going to benefit from uh, cohesion, is the Colts. They can, what are you talking about? They have a new quarterback. Oh, that's right. They have new, I forgot about quarterback. They weren't on that list. No, sorry. Yeah. What about the Cardinals? Uh, oh. Or is there too much buzz? For, yeah. Uh, uh, I was no, thinking I, that was the other one I was thinking. Well, they have continuity, but I don't think their defensive coordinator is very good. Mm. Okay, Vance Joseph. What about Oakland? Yeah. yeah okay. uh, I, I am. Uh, there is no Oakland anymore. I, I oh, am sorry. higher <laughs> on the uh, on the Raiders than most. It's almost certainly going to come back to uh, bite me. It's because you but, love uh, John Gruden the head coach or the offensive coordinator for the best team drafted in the Jeffrey Lurie draft. Just seeing how much growth he's shown since those, uh, <laughs> you know, Eagles years has really, uh, really, uh, really impressed me. I think the, I feel like the, um, you know, I, I thought at the start of the season, like the 49ers were going to take a big step back. But uh, I feel like if ever there's a situation for the Super Bowl loser to like get back, I think, uh, I think they're actually well positioned for, for that. I'll take that bet. In 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 speaking about uh, Gruden, did did you see Vic's interview with uh, Gruden? With Gruden, no. Yes. Yeah, uh, Vic uh, Tafer, uh, our. Oh, Vic. Uh, I yes, thought you Vic. meant Michael Vic. No, no, I'm so sorry. Vic, I thought, our, was, our, I thought this uh, was my writer. team getting together. No, <laughs> Vic has Vic Vic uh, Vic Tafur. Yeah, Tafur. I'm sorry. Wait, is it? Yeah, Vic Tafour, our Raiders writer. You know, when I was doing the Raiders Nerd Guide, he has interviewed every – I swear he's interviewed, like, every Raiders player uh, and, like, uh, 
coach owner uh front office yeah member. mark davis yeah and he and he does a great job of sticking it to their media relations in his uh writing because he says like you know even though the raiders have not made anybody so and so said during a phone yeah. interview yeah. uh so, like that. that's uh, great out, out, outstanding job by him yeah but top anyway, of the top ahead. of the uh beat writer rankings i'd say at the athletic yeah absolutely but gurdon just just this is I mean, this is right up Bo's alley. He, he says, we got to beat the virus, man. You know, like talking about it as, <laughs> as if they're, they're beat playing that virus, against man. the Chargers in week three, you know? Oh, God. Oh, man. I like that. I worry for every coach who's giving a press conference in like the next three weeks. <laughs> I mean, people are just going to get crushed left and right. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to the Del Rio presser. I'm going to dial in. You should, yeah, you really should write about Del Rio. Yeah. I don't know if that's good for my mental health, but probably better than tweeting. I know that's right. Um, Underrated head coach, by the way. Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe we'll beat the virus with a uh, with, with an axe to the foot. Um, I thought it was. I think it's at least notable that uh, the Eagles made the choice. You know that each team has the option to go with uh, an 80 man roster or a 90 man roster with like split squad practices uh and they they obviously have gone with the 80 um i think i think that makes sense for a team that uh fancies itself as a super bowl contender um and there's probably fewer spots available so they need to see the uh the bottom of the roster guys a little bit less but uh i was just interested that they made that decision wait explain the two options it's either you you know business as usual but you have to cut to 80 or if you want you could do 90 and you could have uh, like one group practicing on one field and another group practicing on another field. Okay. And do we have a? Uh, do you have a, a survey of how many teams no, are doing each of those? No. From what I can, no. I, I don't. Well, because well, they're not there yet. yeah, the deadline be, hasn't yeah. happened yet. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but we just know that's because they've started to make cuts. Um, that that's the decision that they're they're doing. They need what three more cuts, Zach? Two more. Two more. Because. Uh, or opt outs. Or opt-outs, well, yeah. Actually, right. one more, yeah. Um, uh, Matt Leo doesn't count against the the roster, against the 80-man roster. Mm. Well, now that's an advantage. <laughs> is that a real person? <laughs> yeah, Matt, uh, Matt Leo okay. is their international oh, okay. player. Matt Leo. He's, yeah, so he's he's a former plumber um, from Australia who uh, went to Iowa State and is part of the international pathway program. Mm, good on you, Matt. Okay. Uh, all right. What, is there anything Any else t- from Doug? Uh, Doug takeaways? Yeah. Uh, let me see here. Uh, again, with the grass, taking it to the, grass. It to the grass. I mean, I don't yeah. understand. This wasn't a thing a year ago, and now we can't get through a press conference without 50 uh Well, 50 they mentions. were on the grass last, last year. Taking it to the grass. Uh, I, I do feel like there's been a coordinated uh, organizational strategy to gas up Andre Dillard after the yes, way the beginning, of the beginning of the offseason went. So, um very curious to see, uh, you know, one of the most, I would say, interesting storylines surrounding the team is uh, is Dillard. This is, I, I think, the third Doug Peterson press conference without a question about Carson Wentz. Isn't that interesting? I mean, I mean, usually this time of yes. year, Carson's the big storyline. Well, there yeah. were like six questions. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there, were, uh, there were 12 questions, nine of which were COVID-related. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that understandable. Right. He has, yeah. I mean, he hasn't actually more than that. If you include like like player COVID questions, so 
Well, the next time he's Doug, Doug speaks, he can ask about uh, Carson's off-season strategy with his uh, with his body. Yeah. Is he putting on some weight? Does he think it'll help with uh, injuries? Is he worried about flexibility? All those things. Man, it would be really annoying if you were like, think if you were Wentz and a professional athlete, you got to answer all these questions about your body like that. That, so would, that, would be, yeah. that would be very uncomfortable. I'd be like, shut up and ask me about something and else. Meanwhile, you got to like also walk around the locker room with just a towel on at most. Like, it's, well, it's an awkward yeah. existence. Well, Not if you're Alger Buckley. Uh, Have you seen pictures of the locker room, by the way? No. No. Oh, yeah. Have you? Uh, yeah, it's it's on the Eagles' website. Uh, they have a thing on how the facility has has transformed. Uh, Bo won't won't recognize his old place in in in, in some ways. Um, there are major changes that have taken place. They've they broke they've uh, taken down walls in 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 certain cases, but the locker room. So they're using the players' lounge now as locker areas. They have mm-hmm. uh, the middle set up, the middle set up uh, for individual locker stalls, and it looks like. Um, every two locker is now one locker. Uh, so, for instance, some of the regular players on the roster, when you're talking about Cameron Johnston, Rasul Douglas, uh, they're in the middle now as opposed to having the permanent locker. That's, but is it staggered? Like Because the middle is yes. not... Okay, I see. Yeah, it's it's staggered so nobody's facing I each see, other, I it see. appears. Oh, that yeah. makes sense. I see the picture now. I've pulled it yeah. up. So, uh, and... They yeah they knocked down walls they um the weight room they opened up all the windows so that oh, extends nice. outside they have tents outside the cafeteria and there's no tables in the cafeteria players will eat outside in tents so a lot of changes in there these are the things we were recommending weeks ago move everything outside mm. well yeah. yeah they were listening uh, okay. Zach did you take the uh, mention of Rodney McLeod on the list of uh, players who came back early uh, as an indication that he was injured. Yeah, so Rodney had had uh, had some type of surgery after after the season, I believe, um, based on. <laughs> it's going to sound weird to say, based on photos after the season <laughs> um, on on social media. Uh, I I believe he he had okay his 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 arm in a wrap, if if that makes sense. Okay. I think I missed that. Good thing we have you. Uh, all right, why don't we get to uh, why don't we get to your uh, perusal of our fifty-three man roster, Shiel, and uh, some of your questions about who some of these guys are. Okay, that's some of it. Others are just is just sort of questions uh, about some of this. So uh, the quarterbacks now. Uh, I think it was uh, you know there has been some talk. A couple of coaches around the league saying that they're going to keep like their backup quarterback and their starter in like, they're not going to be both be in the quarterback meeting in the same meeting room. Uh, I would wonder if the Eagles are going to do something like this. And if so, who's going to be separated from Carson Wentz? Is it going to be Nate Sudfeld or Jalen hurts? That would be a pretty easy way to figure out who the backup quarterback is. What do you think? So Doug was asked about this, uh, a month ago or a month and a oh, half ago. Okay. Um, <laughs> and he said that it's something, and it was when the idea was first brought up and he said, it's something he's, he's put thought into, but then where does it end? You know, because are you going to do it at the other positions too? Uh, now certainly yeah, quarterback. I mean, you might need to do it at tight end too, because it's such an important position. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, but to answer Shield's question, I, I would imagine they would do it. If they, if, if they did this, I imagine they would have Sudfeld in, a separate room. I think so too. 
because he would theoretically need less coaching. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah, because he's already a Hall of Famer. He's good. <laughs> you know, if you were still in the locker room every day, you'd still be gassing up Sudfeld. I love a Sudfeld. This is an advantage of uh, being separated. You know, you, you, uh, you remove some of your biases uh, that can get in the way of you know, is this guy a player or not? Okay. So I was just, uh, sort of what, so he's, so it sounds like Doug is not going to do that. I, I wonder if he has, oh, uh, well, he hasn't an, uh, announced okay. it yet. So, okay. All right. So we'll, uh, keep an eye on that. Uh, all right. So remind me, you know, I did a, uh, I think it was after the, it was either, it was between the draft and now, I don't know when it was. I had like two WIP hits in a week. And on both of them, they asked me about Mike Warren. And I was like, mm. Dude, are you kidding me? Like, Look at that flex, by the way. I was all over I'm the like, radio. I'm, I'm like, Wentz walking up to the... Uh, <laughs> um, and I was like, all right, I don't know anything about this. You know, it was one of those where you just have to divert and talk about something else. So tell me about Mike Warren, who uh, apparently the, uh, the, the WIP crowd thinks is going to be the next uh, Ricky Waters. Mike Warren, uh, the running back from Cincinnati, more of a uh, between the tackles guy, uh, sort of a sort of a bulldog type of uh, type of running back. Not like a ton of juice. I think he, I think Brugler had like a sixth or seventh round grade on him. Um, and then there's also Adrian Killens, who is from Central Florida and is the opposite. Is just a total uh, burner and also a, a return candidate. I do think that uh, like running back, we talked about before. Like linebacker, safety, and running back, especially, I think is is one of the positions where like it's really hard to evaluate those guys without uh, the preseason. Um, and I wonder, you know, if push comes to shove, do they go with Warren okay, John or like Elway. Elijah <laughs> Elijah Holyfield, who they had in the building at the end of last yeah, year? Yeah, tell me about an Elijah Holyfield. I ve- he's very slow, right? Uh, yeah. So yeah, so they signed slow. him. Yeah. So so they signed him uh, during the week of the playoff game. Okay, so so this so they signed him off the him Panthers practice squad. Off off the Panthers practice squad, uh, just to get him on on the roster. And uh, you know, Doug made a point of saying that he put him through a, a private workout uh, when he went down to Georgia. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. <laughs> uh, when you did a, a little digging there, a I I think Doug was was speaking down at the University of Georgia, and I think he was, <laughs> but but more than that, I think he was working out McCole Hardiman. Okay. Um, because Holyfield was, was, was like, yeah, he was, he was there working at a, a receiver mm-hmm. and, and I was there, but so, so they, they, they did study Holyfield and I, I think they, 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 they did like him after the draft, but, uh, the Panthers had a, had a better route to the active roster, did not make it, it was on their practice squad, uh, son of Evander, obviously, but, um, I shouldn't say obviously son of Evander, uh, not fast, but powerful. Who, who was Doug speaking to at the university of Georgia? He was he was part of a coaching clinic. Oh, okay. Last I, was, I wasn't yeah. sure if it was you know in college they have like those special speaker series. I wasn't sure if it was like you know March Barack Obama, uh, <laughs> you know April Doug Peterson or what the. Well, uh... Zach is still trying to find footage of the uh, of the coaching clinic. Yes, I am actually. Coaching clinics are very valuable for reporting. Purposes. I agree with that. I would mm. love. You know what? Is there like a is there a site that just has a like hundreds of them on there? I, I totally agree with you. Have you watched that Jim Schwartz one? 
Yes, I have actually. Uh, yes. I mean, it's I like learned more footage. about yeah, yeah, I learned more about that one for than any of his press conferences where he's talking exactly. about coming up with a pass rush plan. The first thing you got to figure out, uh, you know, do you, is this a guy who's just going to crush you if you blitz? Um, and then you can work from there. And uh, yeah, I thought he had some interesting things to uh, to certainly say in that one. Uh, Devontae Freeman, what are, what are your guys' thoughts on whether the uh, Eagles should be signing uh, aggressively pursuing Devontae Freeman? I mean, oh. having never seen Mike Warren run, I can't. I I just find it hard to believe that Devontae Freeman's that much better at this stage of his career. Okay. Uh, yeah, I that- mean, the way I see it is, I think the Eagles should utilize their their practice squad when it comes to running backs. You know, they have the, uh, well. Well, first off, practice squads are six are going to be sixteen players this year, as opposed to ten. That was just changed. But also, you're allowed to bring up two players each week from your practice squad to your active roster. So. Uh, I think that for that that those depth running back spots, just just play the practice squad game. I don't know why you need money tied up into Freeman unless you're you're not confident that if if Sanders went down, you you have enough there. Devonte Frim, my Falcons nerd guy, just went up for the thousands of you that want to go check that out. Uh, Theathletic.com/slash/birds-with-friends gets you forty percent off. Uh, so Devonte Freeman last year. Uh, there were 50 backs in the NFL who had at least 75 carries. He ranked uh, 48th in EPA per rush, and he ranked uh, 50th in uh, percentage of rushes where you achieved like a positive result. I, I this is not good podcasting. These are uh, useful metrics, he, and he, he was among he, the he was what? He, he was he was 48th and 50th in these two categories. Out of so basically. You said? Out of 50. There were 50 backs who had at least <laughs> 75 carries. So he was legit among the backs who actually touched the ball last year. He was among the worst performing backs in the NFL, mm-hmm. which, you know what? It kind of surprised me because in the past, I've kind of liked a Devontae Freeman. Yeah, uh, I so liked I, him too. But Yeah, so I don't know if he's just fallen uh, fallen off really poorly or uh, certainly Dirk Cutter was not doing anything creative with that offense. So, um, you know, maybe you can talk yourself into sort of a LeGarrette Blunt. um type situation where, you know what, get this veteran in here and he'll help you. But I tend to agree with you guys to go uh, with the young guys. Yeah, I don't think he's, he's also the type of body or back who's, who ages well. Like, I mean, once he loses a step, I don't know who he's beating. But anyway, go ahead. Man, you're just obsessed with talking about athletes' bodies today. uh, And, you know, and my uh, obviously my anti-Falcons biases. Oh, (laughs) correct. Yeah, your rival franchise. Well, maybe uh, (laughs) maybe this could be And maybe Devontae Freeman's going to tell me F you publicly on Twitter, too. I actually think Devontae Freeman's supposed to be, like, one of the nicest – like in terms of, uh, I think every, I think he's one of those guys everybody loves. Uh, so I, I think you would be in okay shape if he were to uh, to join the Eagles. Uh, wide receiver, I had written down that they were going to keep two of the three between Goodwin, Hightower, and Watkins. Obviously, Goodwin is opting out. So are, are Hightower and Watkins locks for the roster, do you think? I don't think locks uh, okay. because, you know, don't forget about my boy Manasseh Bailey. And, okay. So uh, two, would you say two of the three of those three? Probably, unless I mean, maybe they, maybe they, maybe Deontay Burnett had a monster offseason or something like that. But I think, I think they're going to keep six receivers, and uh, two of those guys will will be in there. Yeah, yeah. I I did not have uh, Watkins on my fifty three. I I had Goodwin, but if I was doing it now, I would put, I would put both Hightower and and Watkins. Okay, now this guy leads the uh, leads the list of you mm. two talking about him. I'm going to tell you like how he, you, how to pronounce it, or do you want to? Yeah, go, first? go ahead. No, no, go ahead. It's Noah Tongiai. 
Noah Tongiai. Okay, yeah. I li- I like the name. I believe I could be wrong. Did both of you include him in your uh, tweet we to did. promote this piece? Oh. I mean, do I need? Oh, I don't do think I in I the ne- tweet. No. No. Okay. All right. Well, one of you did. I think I did. Okay, I got to give you guys some social media. It really didn't work. I'm no expert, (laughs) but listen, if you're trying to get engagement, um, you know, try to get people to click in. uh, That I don't think that's the guy you need to be. Wish you told me that on Friday. (laughs) I I I I can tell you anecdotally, uh, it did not work. I'm looking at it going, what the hell? Is this a real person? Like, who, who, what, I'm looking what? at it. Um, uh, I mean, this might be esoteric, but I'm, I'm looking at our Slack trending channel, which are like the stories that are doing well. And I'm seeing all these teams, 53-man rosters are up. You know, you know, this fan base is clicking this. This fan base is clicking yeah. that. Bo and I, we're, 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 uh, we're buried down there with, with, with this one. So if, well, if, if you haven't read it yet, give it a look. Listen, it's a comp- you combine competitive market with Noah Tangi promotion, and uh, <laughs> it's not a great recipe. But why don't you tell me? Because apparently, you both feel very strongly that this is going to be somebody that I have to learn about uh, this year as the third tight end of the roster. So why don't you tell our audience something about him? You want to go, Zach, or you want me to go? I'll 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 let you go, and then I'll give the uh, roster the the roster math of it well yeah i mean uh if if the eagles are going to go with as zach wants to uh, tell us they're going to be going even heavier with 12 personnel uh they certainly need some backup at tight end even though they've carried the two in the past and the only other tight end on the roster is josh perkins exactly uh, who as uh, jimmy kemsky described the other day uh blocks like a receiver and receives like a tight end uh <laughs> that's but, awesome but uh and it a very nice guy, Josh Perkins. Nice but, guy. I love a Perk, uh, has, man. I'll I'll drive the bandwagon. But his like his numbers last year on the like on off thing were, were were terrible. Not great. Um, and you know the Eagles always like to keep uh, undrafted some undrafted rookies. Tangi, I think, had one of the one of the higher guarantees, not the highest, but I think one of the top four, and is uh, a former basketball player slash uh, tight end at Oregon State. He had a really good junior year. And then he got injured and was just okay as a senior. Yeah, I think I think Bo put it well there. Really, I don't think the Eagles are going to get into, into that situation where they go into game days with only two tight ends again. You saw in week two against Atlanta last year that someone goes down, it, it changes your offense in a, in a major way. So I think they need three, not just on their roster, but going into games. Uh, so it's either him or Perkins and... I would look at at Noah as uh, as just an intriguing guy. I mean, we haven't seen him only at Oregon State, but we've seen Perkins enough, and 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 so I I think I went more with the upside that he's presented. I think this is a a spot where uh, you could they could add a lower level veteran. Yes. Okay, well, you know, Perkins can play wide receiver, too, as we've seen in the past. So you guys are uh, discounting that quite a bit. Uh, I actually think this this next player, uh, you know, leads the, I don't even know know what I want to say, but in terms of readers, listeners asking about him compared to what he's done on the field. I mean, the ratio uh, is off the charts. But I actually think it's an interesting discussion now, and that's Jordan Mailata, um, because now that they bring Jason Peters back, uh, Peters obviously is going to play guard. However, if Dillard gets injured, I would assume Peters is sliding over to the left tackle. Uh, I don't know what happens if Lane Johnson gets injured. Does 
Peters slide over to right tackle? Mm. I don't know. But like, do, it, it, basically, my question is: Does Jordan Mailata need two injury? Let's say he, he's actually showing stuff and is healthy and is ready to play. Does he need two injuries to occur to even see the field this year, or uh, do you, could you envision a bigger role for him? I think he needs two injuries to see the field this year. Mm. Uh, but I, I, I think that if he's healthy and he demonstrates some type of ability. I don't think the Eagles are going to give up on the project. Now, if he's struggling or if he's injured again, you can't just 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 keep stringing this along, a guy who's never played football before. But when you look at, at the age of the Eagles' offensive line uh, and kind of the long-term questions, I don't think the Eagles are going to give up on anyone with starting potential at this point. I agree that um, they, he needs two injuries. And I do think that in thinking back on, on the Peters reaction, uh, the one, you know, I think we said this, but in one way in which I was maybe a little bit too harsh is that like he does solve the issue that we had talked about of needing a, a veteran swing tackle. Um, but uh, I'm actually curious relative to Mylotta. I think we'll learn a little bit about their thoughts on Mylotta in with what they do with Jack Driscoll and Matt Pryor. If those guys are practicing as tackles then I think that tells you that the, the Eagles don't feel confident that Mylotta can be the next tackle up. And Pryor played tackle in college, uh, as did Driscoll. So I, I think wh- what they do with those guys will tell us a little bit about what they think of Mylotta. I mean, is it going to be like year 16 and we're like, oh, is this the year Mylotta is going to be the swing tackle? Yeah, I know. We, I, I, I think it's easy to get like that. But also, like he was really young, too. Like, yeah, in addition to uh, you know no football experience, he was like 21 when they signed him. So he's still what like is this year three? Yeah, it's is year, this three. year three. I think okay. it, this is a pretty reasonable uh, path, considering. Well, their tackles aren't going anywhere, obviously. I mean, unless Dillard, right. uh, unless Dillard flames out. So yeah, you really need him. I guess you know if you can get him to be your swing tackle in uh, year four, that would be good. Yeah, I think that's I, I think that's a win. Okay, that's yeah, I would agree. Okay, uh, exact same defensive lineman. Uh, that that was pretty boring by uh, both of you there. Nothing really to add. Uh, Nigel Bradham had a cryptic tweet, didn't he? What did he say? It, it all comes full circle. Yeah. What do you think? Is that uh, is is he going back to Buffalo where he was before? Does that mean he's coming back to the Eagles? Does that going mean... back to Florida State? Yeah, it could be anything. Because I'm looking I, at your linebackers, and uh, I got to say, I'm very unimpressed. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I can't translate tweets, um, so I, I have oh, no Oh, how idea. dare you? Come on. That's part of the job in 2020. <laughs> that, if, you speak to a, if you speak to a journalism class, Zach, I expect you to at least spend five minutes on that. Uh, on, okay. on translating tweets and emojis? All right. We, we, we can uh, – how did this podcast go mm. this long? We really should have just scrapped this last segment. Bo, Sidney Jones trade, do you actually think that's going to happen or were you just trying to uh, come, come with a little bit of fun there? Um, I think that he's likelier to be traded than Rasul. And uh, I think part of that's because didn't, what, what it, what's the deal with his contract? Zach Rasul like, took a pay cut to get it guaranteed or something? I, I presume he took a pay cut to just to be on just the to roster. be on the roster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's, that's um, I which is fu- which. Yeah. That, I mean, that makes sense. Um, I don't know. I feel like you could get some like low level draft pick for Sidney Jones. Otherwise, I don't I don't know why. Uh, I mean, I guess they could just carry six corners, but or maybe you're cutting yeah, my strap. Guess is they go like, deeper yeah, at corner. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't really answer that. I think okay. I I sort of believe it. Well, and, and, and this might be coaching staff versus front office. 
I don't believe the front office has given up on Sidney Jones. Now, I, I, I can't tell you what the coaching staff thinks of him right now, but uh, I, I still think there are people in that front office who, who, who don't want to cut that loss until they know. Is, is there any scenario where a front office would give up on a player whom they drafted knowing he was going to sit out his first year in the second round and whom the owner said is going to be a top-level corner in the league? I mean, I, there's, there's no scenario where they would admit <laughs> to giving up on, on Sidney Jones. Of course, they, need, they you know it's in their best interest for him to um, work out. But I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. That, well, if it's that, a player-for-player player trade, they can, like, they yeah. can pretend that they're really excited yeah. about you know, the new, the new Jannard Avery. Like, I don't know. But like they had, Howie had no patience in in watching Eric Rowe develop. You know, for instance, right? But, <laughs> right. You know, oh, yeah, exactly. That was but, his guy. Yeah, yeah. But 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 Sidney Jones, I, I I think they they're hoping that can still work out. Eric Rowe, Devontae Bowsby, Chandon Sullivan will all be starting for teams. Chandon Sullivan's a starter. He's gonna be the nickel for wow. the Packers. In a very good secondary, he played well for them down the stretch. I remember year. seeing him on the field. I didn't know that it was gonna it was gonna carry over. Yeah, I mean, Big Bowser. Big Bowser is a starter. It's that's gonna be by default. Okay. I mean, he's got he's got to win the job. But if you're doing projected starters right now, uh, he would be one of their top three corners. So, so you are high on the Broncos. No, I'm not high on the Broncos. <laughs> Who said the Eagles don't have a cornerback factory? Hmm. Well, the, I mean, this is sort of—it's sort of interesting, right? I mean, they have this big hole, and these guys are going and starting for other teams. I'm not saying these guys are like Pro Bowlers, but man, if you're looking for like competent—you know, maybe a little bit below average, uh, cheap cornerback play—they've uh, had some guys around. Uh, one more football question, just to make this oh, episode really? go a little Come bit on. longer. Yeah, uh, you know, Joe Douglas makes a big deal. He goes to your old team. I want to mm-hmm. know your guys' thoughts on that on that deal. Shield? I mean, I wrote my thoughts. Well, Many yeah, people read you can it read that on The, on the Athletic. athletic. Well, that was in the trending channel. Uh, yeah, listen, trade grades, I got to bump up my numbers uh, throughout the year. But, uh, well, from the Jets' perspective, I mean, I don't see how you can look at it as anything but great compensation. Uh, I think it's a, it's a good sign that Joe Douglas is competent at his job, that he's not just giving away a disgruntled player. I mean, two firsts, a third, and a starting uh, safety is certainly great value. Now, having said that, uh, I'm not going to, you know, throw them a parade because at some point, at some point, like it's your organization has not added many good players. And this is like a guy who's on a hall of fame trajectory. I mean, he's 24 years old. He's already made, I think two all pro teams. Uh, he's a great player. And like, he had no interest in being a part of your organization. Um, you know, obviously he wanted a new contract and it was more complicated than that, but like, you know, I'm not going to say, wow, you know, Whoa, boy, the jets amazing. Like your team's going to suck this year. You might have a quarterback problem. Your coach is terrible. Like, congratulations. You're going to get a couple picks in the twenties and you know, the GM made the best of a, a bad situation, but I felt like that was a little over the top, uh, for the Seahawks. I mean, it's a crazy amount to give up, uh, for a safety, it certainly makes them a lot better this year, but then it's not like you're getting this guy, you know, with three years left on a rookie contract, you're going to have to pay a premium. He wants to be paid among the top safeties in the NFL. And so like, I see a scenario where he could play like a decade with the Seahawks and just have a fantastic career, a hall of fame career, 
but I don't view this as a move that's going to like put them over the top. Their pass rush is terrible. They're thin at wide receiver. Their offensive line is bad. And if anything, it's going to play to their worst instincts of being conservative right. because they're, they're going to think, man, we're rebuilding the Legion of Boom. We don't need to uh, throw the ball more. We don't need to put up a lot of points. We can win with defense. And like their defense has been mediocre for three straight seasons. So um, I don't know. That's kind of how I see it on, uh, on both ends. I think it's a deal that makes sense for for both sides. That it, it it was a steep price to pay, but I think that that was the price it was going to take to get him. Like I don't think Joe was was going to give him away. So how many calls did you at, make trying to get him from Joe? <laughs> how many calls did I make? Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? I don't know. You you seem <laughs> sure that you knew what was going to take what it was going to take to get him away. No, I I, no, no, no. Just from hey like Joe, it's Zach. Hey, you know, I'll give you. Uh, <laughs> In his quotes, I'll give you, you know, some additional fifth coffee and, <laughs> for him uh, to be a podcast guest on Birds yes. with Friends. Um, and I was I was reading what John Schneider was saying, and uh, I mean they throw away their first some... round picks anyway. Yeah, yeah. They, well, that's I mean, true, but look at how they built their good teams right. was through the draft. I mean, they yeah. had amazing drafts, and their drafts recently have been terrible. But you know, but Schneider know. said they haven't drafted in the in the top of the or in the first half of the first round. Since what was it, 2012? Since the since the Bruce Irvin draft, I thought that um, was a terrible rationale. I mean, <laughs> well, well, honestly, honestly, there are guys who are really good who are taken in the 20s every year. Yeah. Just because you well, keep well, missing on them doesn't that, that, that doesn't <laughs> mean know. like it's impossible to get one. I mean, what is that saying about, yeah, about you? Like they don't take them. Yeah, like so. you can get a you absolutely can get a top 10. T- you can get a top 10 talent in the second round, in the third round. Like you should be throwing away there. draft picks because of that. Yeah, you don't need to convince me there. But uh, but if if they feel like their pathway to blue chip type talent is is hard to find, I I just think I I would rather make that type of trade for a player like Khalil Mack, you know, than a player like Jamal Adams. Not to take anything away from Adams, but just the importance of of, of the position. But I, I think it makes sense for both sides given the window that Seattle clearly thinks they're in and uh, what the Jets are doing and the fact that Joe has a six year deal. My only take. I do, Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I do really enjoy, as I did the Jets thing, I think we talked about it on this pod uh, when we were saying, should the Eagles go after him? But uh, he is very fun as just sort of a defensive, yes. can uh, create havoc type player. But that is also my other question. I mean, the Seahawks are a more vanilla defense in terms of rushing for uh, and, and playing zone coverage. And so, I, you know, I, I'm curious to see, like, it, it, I don't look at it and say, wow, that's an amazing fit because they can do all these sorts of different things with him because they typically um, don't do that. So, you know, that, that's something they've got to figure out as well. My only take is that anytime you're choosing uh, Adam Gase over anybody, you're probably making the wrong decision. But I don't it. think this is Joe Douglas choosing Adam Gase over Jamal Adams. Yeah, who's choosing Adam Gase? Well, I think that's like they could have if they, if they fire Adam Gase uh, in the fall or in the, in the spring – then they can probably there's a, maybe a pathway to getting Jamal Adams back. Well, maybe this is Joe Douglas playing uh, playing chess and saying now our team's really going to suck this year. And when I fire <laughs> when we when we fire Adam Gase in uh, like week that. eleven, it'll be uh, it'll be a lot easier. How are you going to let their ownership uh, fly under the radar, Bo? By the way, here. You know, I actually I haven't read enough about it, but I mean, I'm sure oh, there's nothing surprises me that that uh, you know a guy who's working for that administration is a scum bucket. So. <laughs> I don't really, uh, you know, I've powered Jamal Adams on that front. It's 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 a very Bo story. <laughs> they uh, 
an owner of a team who becomes the ambassador yeah. to England, making these kind of comments. Yeah. You you should put together like a uh, an all. I don't know. I don't know what the what the framing is, but ja- all I know is Jack Del Rio is the DC. Woody Johnson is the owner, and uh, I'm sure. Listen, there are a lot of guys. Tom Brady's your quarterback. Tom Brady's the quarterback. Yeah. I don't know what the title. I'm not giving you a title or a headline. People can go wherever they want with this, but uh, I'm just giving you the framework for a column that uh, will do well on the Athletic and certainly get a lot of comments. <laughs> I guess that's right. Uh, and Deshaun's the receiver. Uh, okay. Well, I guess that'll do it for this episode of Birds with Friends. Uh, jam-packed, very uplifting stuff here on this episode. Uh, we'll be back, uh, I don't know, maybe next week, maybe later this week if there's actual news, but you know where to find us. For Zach and Sheil and Marissa, I'm Bo, and as always, we love you. Birds with Friends. Birds with Friends.